This week, the obvious question is, what makes us think we're so special? I'm Mike Trevisano, and each week, one of the hosts, Joe Bertalek, Bob Meyer, and myself, asks a question that may seem to have an obvious answer on the surface, but once we get into it, there's much more underneath. We invite you to help us find answers through comments on our site, obviousquestion.wordpress.com, or on our Facebook page for The Obvious Question. So this week, why do we humans think we are so special? It may be easy to look at our place among other species on Earth and pat ourselves on the back for being so great, but a simple glance upward at night reminds us how very small we are compared to the vastness and wonder of what is out there. Furthermore, we adapted to our environment in the exact same way as everything else did. We evolved to fit our environment. So why do we think that that places us above everything else? I just finished reading uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's book, uh, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, and I couldn't recommend it more highly. It's a, it's great. It's a 200 pages, very little. It's written in the way, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know him to speak on, you know, science shows and stuff like that. Just really fascinating book, really cool. And out of, uh, I don't know, a few dozen things that blew my mind. One of them that really blew my mind was he, where he, he says that based on their current calculations, they think that there may be as many as 40 billion planets in the Milky Way that are kind of like Earth, right? That could potentially support life, right? We don't, we, clearly we don't have any evidence that any of them do, right? But that from what they can tell and what they can extrapolate, as many as 40 billion exoplanets like Earth that potentially could support life. So it made me think, given that every day we look up into the night sky and we see all these stars and we see this incredible world that, we're, uh, that we live on, right? With all the plants and animals and all the things that go on and all the things we know. And it really made me wonder, what makes us think we're so special? Why do we, why do we, because we operate like we are, I think, right? Like humans, humanity operates like, like we are so special, even though every single night you can walk outside, look up in the sky and be reminded that you're not, <laughs> and be reminded that like there's a whole craziness out there that we don't know anything about, right? And the more we learn about it, it, it's not like the better of an idea we get, the more questions we have. It's like, wow, given this now, wow, what does this next thing mean, right? So uh, um, what do you think? What makes what makes us think we're so special? Yeah, best I can think off the top of my head, Mike, is we've got that special brain, you know, that big brain that uh, those poor other animals, animals, not us, we're not animals, but those other animals that have small brains that can't quite do the things we can do. Um, yeah, as you're saying, I'm wondering, do the the other animals like us, not humans, but other animals on the planet, I wonder if they wonder about that stuff. I wonder if they look up at the stars or if they think about, you know, something beyond this, the immediate, you know, the moment. I think for whatever, and I, I don't even know how to describe this, whatever we are that makes us different, and if it's a bigger brain or it's the human characteristic or, you know, I'm, I'm using words that don't really make sense, we could put some kind of a structure around it. But I wonder if you looked at that and you said, yeah, there's something there. It's almost like a disease, you know, that you, you're able to do this. You're able to look beyond yourself and your situation and, and, and think about 40 billion. I doubt there's too many monkeys out there or, or cats and dogs that, you know, sitting there contemplating 40 billion, you know, of anything, if they can even count, I don't know. 
But if you look at that situation, you say, but that that's a very positive thing because that's what allows us to do the next thing, which is to you know, build a spaceship and go to the moon or go to uh, one of our own planets or get out of our solar system completely, maybe someday out of the out of the Milky Way, you know, to the far reaches of space. I mean, if Star Trek or Star Wars or any of those uh, movies and TV shows are at all correct, we're kind of just on the edge. You know, I remember when 2001 was going to be a big deal you know, back in the 60s or 70s when that movie came out. 2001 was a long ways off and we were going on a space odyssey. You know, we're going to travel to the outer reaches of our solar system. Well, we're kind of not there yet, but those thoughts are there. That idea is there. So is being human mean that, and I'll say from a disease kind of standpoint, that we think that way, that our, our brains are, are built that way? Or is it a positive thing that having that, we're able to do those things, to think about that and then to actually do something about it? I mean, think of those 40 billion plants. There's got to be something evolving out there that is as smart or smarter than us. If it all takes us a big brain, if they've been around a little longer, they probably have big brains, bigger brains than we do, you know, to be able to do those kinds of things. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about our personal universe that, you know, right now I'm sitting in this room, my personal universe is this this office, it's this home, uh, it's my family, it's, it's work, it's getting the kids to sports. So there's so many other things, I think, that are in our personal universe that consume our, our time that that becomes our focus. But there are times we do look out there, and, you know, you look at this, how many people looked at the at, at the eclipse, hopefully with the protective eyewear, um, you know, I was one of those people. But, but maybe even asking the question is it does it make it does it make it matter more that there are let's say if there are a million planets that are just like ours, it's intriguing. But why does it matter? Like we're not there, we're not connected. Are they thinking about us? Do they care, or do they want to annihilate us? It's 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 I don't know. It's it's one of those outreaching questions that um, just like. You know that that book and the documentaries are out there. It's like all this stuff is is fascinating, and our model of what our universe used to look like is now grown immensely, right? It's like at one one time there was just you know the Milky Way, and now now there's you know the thought of multiverses and things like that. Um, but still, our problems are small. They're on this planet, right? Unless we're being attacked, and every alien movie out there is they always come here and they want to attack us, right? And that's the only time that it, the countries and the continents of the uh, of the world actually unite because we have a common enemy, right? These people we have to blast. Um, I don't know. I give up. <laughs> I, don't, I, I wonder if it's like for the animals. It's like, you know, the difference is. I, I think the animals that are out there. They're 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 focused on on basic things, right? Survival, food, subsistence, uh, you know, um, procreation. You know things like that, and then you know for us we have this thing for self-actualization. Like it's, we want to say it's not about us, but in the end it's all about us. Every, you know, you watch Survivor or whatever or any reality TV show. In the end, everybody looks, you know, like they're in it for themselves, and and maybe that's part of the problem. And I think that I think it is a problem, Bob. And I think what's happened is, you know, over the the time that we've been humans, whatever that means, when we if if we did truly evolve from some other species of animal, we've kind of separated ourselves from the rest of that that group. And you look at the animal kingdom, we're not we're in it, but we're kind of not in it. We're special. And I think part of the problem with with most of the problems I see with with people and animals and, you know, the way we mistreat them or the way we, um, you know, we do things that you wouldn't do if it was another person. They've evolved because there was a time I remember in, in high school where the definition to be human was a tool user. 
And I remember then years later, they they found some some monkeys, whatever, using sticks to get termites out of a out of a termite mound, and they had to change the definition, you know, from tool user to something else because if if that meant that that monkey was in the same class as we were, you know, same human class, then that would be a problem. So I think we've done is we've categorized things, but we've done it incorrectly. You know, I remember the story about the platypus when they found the first uh, platypus, it was a dead one. And the the uh, headline in the paper, I think when it was in the 30s or something like that, they said somebody created this hoax. They sewed together a duck and a beaver and, a you know, and it lays eggs. It doesn't it doesn't, uh, you know, suckle its young and stuff like that. And it was it was put out as a hoax until they found a live one. And then they couldn't deny it anymore. And so they had to rearrange the categories again to say that a mammal can lay eggs. A platypus is a mammal and it's got a duck bill. It was like, I think they called it a freak of, of nature, which to me, it's amazing we could tag something in nature as a freak of nature. We define the category, then we define everything that doesn't fit the category as a freak or different. And I think that's what we've done to some extent for for human beings is we've taken ourselves out of the class and anytime something gets close to the things we define as human, we change it. <laughs> we alter the, here's the rules. You know, you have to do this, you have to do that to be human. I'm not sure what it means to be human today. Is there a definition today that makes us different than the animals? That used to be tool user. I don't know if there's something new out there. Well, you know, I, uh, I'd, li- I'd like you to consider, consider this. Yeah, evolution, all evolution says is that species adapt to, to be fit for their environment, right? And so using that, we are adapted for our environment, like our big brains, you know, helped us to, you know, and, and our lumbar curve, right? We could stand and see over the grasslands and things like that. And, and uh, our, our social groupings all contributed to, to, to us being successful in our environment at the exact same time that all of the other species that are currently on the planet did too, right? Lions and grasshoppers and all, all of those things, trees, all evolved to to a, to be fit for the environment that we live in today equally, right? And that's why they're there. And so when I look at the animal kingdom or any of anything, any of the plants on whatever, that we're all even, right? And so I I I kind of ask the question because my I, my opinion is we operate like we're special and we're not. And in fact, I would say I think it's that very thinking that's going to get us in huge trouble. And I think it already is because I think a species that that starts to destroy the environment that it's supposed to be fit for is not doing too well. And we've got how many billion and and it gets more all the time. I think that we are are starting to see that, you know, this great, huge, you know, achieving species that we are is probably has a pretty good chance of, you know, ending ourselves and taking everything down with it, right? If, if we don't change something, you know, if yeah. something doesn't change soon. And so, you know, I, I hate this, this trap of thinking, well, we're special. We got these big brains and we can do these incredible things. Look at our achievements. Yeah. You can, we can split the atom. We can, we can, you know, create energy for millions and millions of people. We can also kill a few million of them too. We've done that. We've done both of those things, right? With the same yeah. technology. So special. Uh, hmm. You know, Mike, maybe you just defined what it means to be human. Uh, I didn't think of it this way. You know, all the other animals are living in an environment where they adapt to it. We're living in an environment where we're changing it. So to be human means we're changing the environment 
to suit our needs as best we can tell as humans. And, and we're not very smart about that. You know, again, the greed or the whatever it is that, that pulls the sucks the oil out of the earth or, you know, pollutes the rivers or uh, overheats the atmosphere, you know, with burning certain gases and stuff. Maybe that's what it means to be human. And then maybe that is the defining characteristic that, you know, I don't know, maybe this isn't true, but I don't know of any animals that do that. I don't know of animals that actually destroy their environment. They, like you said, they evolve into the environment. They change because climate has changed. So they move along with it. You know, they eat a different kind of food or they, they hunt a different area or something like that, but they don't, they don't build an air conditioned room so they're comfortable and then pollute the environment. They, they, they follow the environment where human beings, what it means to be human is to, to a, not to adapt, but rather to change the environment to suit your needs, which that sounds really dangerous when I say it like that. I mean, yep. anything can happen that way. Well, it goes back to the original, at least my original point, that we're, we're just selfish people. We only think about ourselves. Like, I, I mean, sure, there are diehard environmentalists out there. But even our notions of these other planets that are like ours, what do we tend to do? We tend to draw these pictures of aliens that are somewhat human-like. But, but to Mike's point, if they're adapting to their environment and they live on something that, you know, 212 degrees Fahrenheit... Well, they probably don't look like us. They probably don't act like us. But yet, that's the only thing. It's almost like we're trapped, right? Like, there's there's boundaries to our brains and there's boundaries to our creativity. Because I've yet to really seen any kind of book or, or movie or anything like that that's, like, gone out to, to show what that life looks like. That's something totally that we've never seen before. It's always a little inching a little bit closer to to something that's different. But it's also evolving with our own technology. As we evolve our own technology, the science fiction becomes like, you know, one degree further north of, of the technology. But I don't see that thousand degree even shows like something like, you know, I know Mike, we've talked about on Netflix, like Black Mirror and some of the things that they talk about from a like what could possibly be perspective that makes your brain mm. hurt. Uh, but even that's not <laughs> yeah. a real big stretch because we, we only know what we know, right? Can't yeah. think thoughts that haven't been thought. I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, Bob, I think we, in, at least in this, the movies I've seen, it's like we, we find a culture on a planet that's just living in the culture, living in the environment. We think of it as less. I mean, they haven't evolved to where they have space flight and all this. I mean, any of the Star Trek or Star Wars kinds of things, those are the simple planets where – People are living in a kind of in a dark age kind of environment where they don't have the tools and the science and the techniques to do the things, the incredible things we've done. You know, put a man on the moon and, you know, travel out to beyond the solar system with our spaceships and you know, you know, probes and things like that. We think of it as like almost in a negative way, I think it's an arrogant way of saying, oh, how simple. Oh, look at those poor, simple people living on that planet, you know, and almost like they're they're cats and dogs or something as opposed to. And again, <laughs> they wouldn't be human, I guess, on another planet. So even as I say it now, I'm, I'm thinking, but whatever they are, we would look at them as less than because they haven't achieved all the things we have. And again, it goes back to our own personal selfishness or our self-conceit or whatever like that on who we are or who human beings should be. In the, and you know, where does that come from? I think a lot of it comes from religion, you know, from stories that we're told that, that um, open up a whole can of worms on who said what about what and what should we do and so on. And they conflict all the time. You know, one against the other. It's crazy. I, you know, and in in the same Neil deGrasse Tyson book, he he uh, writes something kind of another mind blower that uh, if we think about 
species that are sort of similar to us, like chimpanzees or orangutans, gorillas, that the the difference in our genetic makeup between them is super duper small. You know, like we share, I think, 98% of the same sort of material. It's just a very small difference between us. And and look at how how vastly different we are in our ability to to do all these things, right? And but he he flips that a little bit and says, so consider if a species somewhere else was just a little bit more than us, just how vastly different that would make them. If it was, if we were the chimp, right? And there's only, yeah. and yeah. we share 98% with this other species. Then, you know, he says in the book, you know, somebody like Stephen Hawking would be, you know, something a toddler would talk about. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, this, you know. Well, I was just saying, what if we de-evolved? Like, how would how would the human species handle that if we started to, to go back to where our brains were smaller and they're like... You know, we couldn't. In the U.S., I think that happened. We couldn't them. type. You know, we couldn't type anymore or use cell phones. Like our, <laughs> we didn't have these hands for tools. It's like I got, I got no thumbs. What? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> and it's funny because I don't think the average monkey or whatever looks down and says, "Oh, I don't have a thumb." I don't. That yeah. thought probably never even crosses their mind. But see, as humans, we would say if we were that way and starting to de-evolve, we would create new thumbs or we'd invent something to maintain our our difference. Right. You know, I think you're right. Yeah, superiority. We would, we would totally reject the idea that, well, Mike, you look a lot hairier today than you did yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> God, Mike eats a lot of bananas. What's his deal? <laughs> his arms are getting awfully long. <laughs> All, right. All right, so for a fi- we're just at the time. So for for a final thought for me, I think we may be. I think we may be special, right? I can agree with that. That certainly the th- our abilities are, are pretty are pretty impressive compared to the other species and the things that we can potentially do. But I think we have a fatal flaw, which is we have forgotten the. Uh, advice that Uncle Ben Parker gave to young Peter Parker, Spider-Man, uh, with great power beca- comes great responsibility. And I think somewhere along the line, we've forgotten, you know, that this birthright of ours to know all of this incredible stuff has really led to some some terrible usage of it. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll yeah. say something next because I know Joe will have something profound that will end the podcast. <laughs> but, you know, I just think that it's this um, it's this miracle kind of thing that, again, I can't stretch my mind to fathom or think about things that I don't know. And it, sadly, it's this, I've got to see it to believe it uh, for the other worlds that are out there. Like, show me some proof. Yeah, I, I hear that Neil's saying that these things exist, but I don't know that. I, does it impact me on a daily basis? Does it get me to work in the morning? No, it doesn't. Are, are they attacking us? Are they moving closer, encroaching on our space? No. I, I, so I don't care, right? But if, if he showed me, like, you know, like even even today, like they have the um, that spacecraft that was launched, I think in 1997, that's gonna crash, that crashed into Saturn. Yeah, that, that crashed into Saturn. I mean, those pictures are fascinating because they're real, right? They're not an artist rendering of what we think something looks like. They're real, and that's fascinating. But it, but there's no life there. Like, but if you showed me that spacecraft that said, "Hey, you know, hey, everybody's waving. <laughs> hey, Bob, we're over here." You know, then I'd be like, "Okay, my priorities have shifted. I'm going to start to think about things differently." But that—that's the sad part. Is I should be believing it, and then I'll see it. But I'm somewhat still skeptical. Skeptical, and I—why can't I say that word? <laughs> and I have to see it to believe it. You know. 
<laughs> it's funny, Bob. I'm thinking you've got this, you know, this fence out there, and it's like it, if you come within our solar system, you guys are you're toast now. We're gonna deal with that, or or is it so many light years out or whatever? It's like where's that tolerance level? Yeah, profound. I don't think so. I, what I I think I have to say is just again to recapture that thought that got Mike got me thinking about is what does it mean to be human? Because I, I know this has been discussed over the years, and it shifts, it changes, but the idea that we can alter the environment to our detriment, I mean, to actually hurt ourselves in the long run, to me, that's a human capacity, a human tendency. I, I don't know, I, I, at least from my perspective, knowledge and stuff, I don't know of other animals that do that. I imagine they could eventually overcome their, you know, like overpower, overpopulate their environment to where they starve and stuff. I mean, those things happen, but then nature takes care of it. Nature doesn't fly food in. It it sends wolves or foxes or something. They eat them, you know, and then they feast on them until there's none of them left. And then the foxes die off. I mean, it goes back and forth, but we don't allow that. We don't allow those things to happen. We actually stop the evolution process and say, hold on, we can feed those people. Get the, get the jets in the air, get the boats in the water and you know, send them tons of food and stuff like that, which is a very hum humanitarian thing to do. Maybe not a good thing to do in terms of the, the evolution of a species or of a, of a culture, but we do it in a way that now we have altered the evolution process. And, and rather than have evolution take care of that or, you know, take a population, and again, I'm not advocating we should do that, but, but it seems like that's what everything else is doing. And, and what makes us special is we control that. We alter our own environments so that we literally don't evolve, we don't change.